The Maker's House Chapel International presents Destiny Word with Dr. Michael Buedinyamite. God has destined for each and every one of us to live a life of purpose, a life of abundance, and a life that pleases Him. Dr. Michael Buedinyamite's mandate is clear. He's equipped to raise destiny giants for our time, equipped with the wisdom and anointing for a time such as now. Please stay tuned in to Destiny Word. Is there anybody who has experienced the goodness of God? You are thankful. You have experienced His goodness. And, and you want to be able to say thank you. And you can't just say it with your mouth. You can clap your hands. And in so doing, you're saying thank you, Heavenly Father. Is there any thankful soul in the house? I want to be a vessel you work through. Is there anybody who has that as a prayer as well? Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. He deserves our worship. Amen. If you came with your Bible, could you please lift it up? Say, this is my Bible. It is the word of God. I'll become what it says I can become. I'll go where it says I can go. I will achieve what it says I can achieve. Slap your chest and say, I am a believer. Or you can do it again, say, I am a believer. Come on, say, I am a believer. If the Bible is yours, can I invite your attention to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. I invite your attention to Hebrews 12. It's been our anchor scripture. We are doing Hebrews, chapter number 12. We'll do 14, 15. And 16. If you have it, you can say, I have it. If you're still searching for it, you can say, wait for me. All right, hurry up then. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12, from the verse number 14, you will find these words. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man can see the Lord. Looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau. Who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. I want us to pray Heavenly Father. Today we stand in awe of you. We are here to drink from your wells. We know that grass will wither, the flower will fade, but your word will abide forever, O oh God. Anoint these lips of clay, make it an instrument of a blessing to somebody's life. Inspire our souls, direct our spirits, and cause our bodies to follow after your direction. Help us to live a life that is worthy of your name. Spirit of God, if you speak to us as a people and visit us, O oh God, as a family, there will be no hesitation in our hearts in giving you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed, amen. Before you take your seats, I want you to look for seven people and tell them, pursue holiness. Come on, look for them and tell them, pursue holiness. Seven people, tap seven people. I am counting how many people you are tapping. Tap seven people and tell them, 
pursue holiness. Come on, tap seven people and tell them pursue holiness. Hallelujah. Seven people, that's what you should do. Pursue holiness. We started this journey and I quite remember when I started the journey, a pastor called me and said, Man of God, you should watch out because these sermons you are preaching, you're going to lose a lot of people coming to church. I said, glory to God. Because oftentimes people don't want to know what God wants them to know. But of a truth, there is no peace and comfort in having the whole world and of course losing your soul. If there is anything that an individual ought to seek after, is the redemption and the eternal security that God will have or give to his soul. We started the journey some few weeks ago and I told you that God created you in his image and after his likeness. And what that is supposed to mean is that every child, everybody that is created by God is supposed to reflect the image and character of God. You're supposed to radiate his passing. You're supposed to showcase his glory. Everywhere that you go, people are supposed to see you and see God through you. So in the book of Genesis chapter number one, the Bible says that, And God said, let us create man in our image and after our likeness. And so whatever God is like, God made man to be like him. Not just in authority, but also in character. It's amazing that we talk about these things. And of course, if you are a moralist, you might think it is just a moral tangent we want to push. But it goes beyond that. If a man is supposed to reflect the image and character of our God, what it's supposed to mean is that whatever God is, God expects man to be. Man is supposed to reflect who God is. Man is supposed to showcase who God is. Man is supposed to radiate the presence, the nature, the image and character of our God. He created man in his image and after his likeness. And I told you that the image of God, the likeness of God, the character of God. Last week when I was talking to you that when you talk about God's one of his name or his representations. If you talk about the triune God, the Father, Son and the Spirit. And when you're talking about the Spirit of God, you call him the Holy Spirit. Because God in his nature is a spirit, but by his character he is holy. So we call him the Holy Spirit because it is a hybrid, it's a fusion of two identities of character and nature. God's nature is that he's a spirit, but his character is that he is holy. And so if God creates you in his image and after his likeness, he wants you to be a spirit being and he wants you to be a holy man. And so Paul will re-echo the words of the ancient prophets. And when God decided to speak to his own people, in the book of Leviticus, the Levitical order, and God will tell them, be holy for I am holy. And Paul um, will say through the Hebrew writing, or those of you who are also not sure, um, the author said, for without holiness, nobody can see God. And God will appear to them and say unto them that prepare yourself and sanctify yourself unto me because I want to meet you. But you cannot meet me if you are impure. It's amazing that God will stress those points because God is saying that because I am holy, if you are to reflect who I am and I can meet you, you have to showcase 
my character. We live in a time where our theology has been tainted by skewed grace gospel. And, and the, right, the writer or the author of Hebrews is saying that if you are not mindful, you lose it because you think you are holding on to the hunger of grace. People of God, we have to come to the place where we understand that what God requires from us is that we we'll stand pure and clean and chaste and reflect who he is and be able to exude his true character on earth. Have you not read, have you not been told that the Bible says that we are the living epistles? So the unbeliever doesn't have to open the Bible. The unbeliever sees you and can read the Bible through your lifestyle and character. The unbeliever does not have to open the pages of the Bible and be able to quote from the book of Genesis and land you straight in the book of Revelations and you clap your hands and you say that this is the gospel. No, your lifestyle is supposed to showcase who a true born again believer, somebody who is blood, who is spirit filled, tongue talking believer is supposed to walk. You are supposed to live your life as if today is your last day and every day you live, you are supposed to exalt Jesus in your life. The Bible says that I will lift up your cup of salvation wherever you go you are supposed to showcase the true character and nature of our God Paul is talking to the church and amazing if, if, if you study and you understand what holiness is holiness is separation but holiness is God because it is his character and if holy or being holy or holiness is God's character. You can never exude that character until you pipe into him. So you can't, holiness will not cause you to see Christ, but Christ can cause you to see holiness. Because when man lost his place and his physical estate of being at one, at one atonement, at one with God. When Jesus came and he died, he became a bridge so that you can test that presence of God again. And moving from death to life, moving from the dead works to the living works of God simply means that you are forsaking the things of the world and you have joined yourself. And being in a place where God wants you to be. Now holiness simply means separation. So the Bible says, therefore come ye from amongst them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch no unclean thing. To be holy simply means you are separated from the rest. Actually another word for holy is the word other. Which means that you are different from the rest. Holiness simply means you are separated consecrated unto good use or consecrated for the master's use. One of the words that you can find in the Latin for holiness is what we call the mysterium tremendium. Where it's, in English you can say the tremendous mystery of God. Where God's holiness becomes unfathomable to man but the only place you can get it or how you can only assess it is when you allow the Holy Ghost and God Jesus Christ himself not just to live in you but also to work with you that means there is tension in the test then because here we are that Paul I'm trying to pin this on Paul 
theologically is not settled, but some of the writings should suggest that if it's not Paul, then the person who wrote it should have been very close to Paul to be able to think like Paul. Now, the writer of the, of the book of Hebrews is saying that if it's possible, we should pursue peace with all men. Seek after holiness. Seek, pursue holiness. Without which no man can see God. Is it not strange that all of us are here not because we don't have anything to do, but we want to see God. We want to have encounters with God. We want to be able to move and, and say that we have a relationship with God. But the writer is saying that without the holiness, it is impossible. You can stay 24 hours in church. You can pray 100 years. If God will allow you to live for 100 years, you can pray, you can fast, you can give tithes, you can give offerings. But without holiness, it is impossible for you to see God or please God. What is God telling you? God is saying that your character is so important to me that you cannot live your life anyhow. I want you to bear the right fruits. I want you to go out there and show is who I am that you are not just going out there and talking in tongues and yet you are a gossip you don't talk in tongues and yet you undermine people you don't talk in tongues and yet you are an adulterer you don't talk in tongues and yet you are a fornicator what God is saying is that whenever you go out there your character should actually showcase who God is and wherever you go people should be able to look at you and know that this is the redeemed of the Lord and when somebody is called the redeemed of the Lord the old thing Things are passed away and behold all things have become new what am I trying to tell somebody who believes in God in, at first when you were in the world when you were called a drunkard it was okay at first when you were in the world if you were called a womanizer that was okay when you were in the world and you were called somebody who was hopping from one man to the other it was okay but that is not okay when you move into Christ because when you are in Christ the old things are supposed to pass away and behold there should be a renewal of mind the Bible says that therefore do not be conformed to the things or the pleasures or the standards or the dictates of the world but be thou transformed by the renewal of your mind what is God saying to somebody that is trying to establish a relationship that that lifestyle is not worthy of somebody who is called a Christian God wants us to be pure and holy and the only thing God wants wants from you. It's not for you to get a car. It's not for you to build a house. To build a house is fine. I thank God for you. If you have been able to build a mansion for yourself, I clap for you. You've done well. I congratulate you. If you've bought the best car in the country, thank God for your life. But that will not please God. If you cannot walk a life and live a life that is pure and chaste, will you look at somebody and say, God requires that you will be holy unto him. Can you clap somebody? Tap the person on the back or on the shoulder and say, neighbor, God requires that you live a holy life. God wants you to be holy. The Bible says, therefore, come ye from amongst them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Why is God stressing on this? For what will a man gain if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? God is not so much interested in what your body will become because it will decay, it will decompose, it will rot, it will go away, but your soul is going to stand for the it is appointed unto man once to die, but after death there is judgment, and you will stand before the judgment throne of God one day and 
God is going to ask you what you did with the life that he gave you. And I pray that on that day, you will not have any regrets because the Bible says the only people that will get into the celestial city are the people whose blood, who are washed by the blood, whose clothes are not stained, who do not have blemishes in them because God will not allow anybody who has lived a life that is false to be able to get through to him. Can I talk to somebody who is expecting God to visit you? Let me tell you this, people of God. Stop going on the mountains for 40 days. Stop praying for 21 days and saying, I am fasting for 21 days. I'm fasting for 40 days. I'm fasting for 90 days. I have 180 days of fasting. I want to fast the whole year. Fasting is irrelevant. If holiness is not upheld by the practitioner of the fasting ritual and so in the scripture if you read through the levitical order if you understand what god says in the book of leviticus there are two kinds of holiness the one that people are only used to is what we call the moral purity but there is another one called ritualistic purity whereby God will take you through rituals and God will say that if somebody touches a woman who is bleeding who is in her menses that person will be unclean or unholy for three days and so the person is supposed to be separated and so what God is saying through the Levitical order is that when somebody is unclean and you touch the unclean person then the uncleanness of the person is transferred onto you uh, this is also seen in the book of Isaiah chapter number 6, if you've read your scripture well, the Bible says that an Isaiah had appeared in the temple of God and in his vision he saw God and his train had filled the whole temple. He said, woe unto me for I am undone, for I am a man with unclean lips and I live amongst the people who are unclean or unrighteous. The Bible says and immediately an angel of God picked a coal of fire and touched his lips and this is a similitude of Christ. Why am I saying that until you are able to understand the biblical mapping this is supposed to tell you that when a man is clean and he touches the unclean the uncleanness of the other thing he touched is transferred to him and if a man is unclean and the man is touched or touches something that is clean the cleanness of the thing is also transferred to the man and so when Isaiah was saying he was unclean the Bible says the angel picked a coal of fire touched the lips of Isaiah and immediately Isaiah became clean and that is a similitude of Christ because we have polluted ourselves with the things of the world but when we touch the Christ the cleanness of the Christ is transferred onto us and we are supposed to live a life of purity because he is pure and when we get into contact with him we are supposed to aspire not only that we are supposed to be living proof and examples of his purity but why is it still that we come into the kingdom, into the temple. We call ourselves tongue-talking, spirit-filled, power-baptized children of God, and yet we cannot live a life that is pure and holy, even though God is saying we should be. Can I preach to you now? Because all that I've said to you is my introduction. Now, this is scripture. God wants you and me to be pure. God doesn't just want the preacher to be pure. It's not just a preacher's affair. 
It is the story of the redeemed. That every redeemed soul is supposed to be pure. No matter your orientation, please do not be deceived by the kind of gospel that my generation is preaching. The 50 centric gospel. The get rich or die trying gospel. The gospel that tells you that make it any way possible. The gospel that defies divine order. Does not give credence to morality. Does not give any place for spiritual maturity. And we live a li our lives as though we control, we own. And there is no post-life encounter. Do not be deceived into thinking that when you are done and you are out. That is the end of your story. I just want to go into my test and support it with 2 Timothy chapter number 3. He said, there's no also. Can you project that for me because I want to preach with that. He said, there's no also. That in the last day, 2 Timothy chapter number 3. There's no also. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Stay there until I tell you to move. What is Paul telling his protege, Timothy. He's saying to Timothy, Timothy, time is coming that it will be dangerous. It will be perilous. It will be, it will be full of risk because you will be approaching the end of times. That is why these days if you are married is a challenge. That's why these days if you are unmarried and you are single is a, is a challenge. Whatever your status is, is still a challenge. Uh, because we live in a time where people don't want us to even profess who we are and what we are. People are coming out and they are saying that they belong to this, they belong to that. And now people are even able to proudly say they are Satanists and people are supposed to respect their right and you cannot go to a place, a public space and pray because they say that you are infringing on the rights of another. We live in a dangerous time. Everything is a challenge. It's a challenge to work in a government institution. Because people don't want to do the right thing and when you want to do the right thing, they want to either bribe you into compromising or blackmail you into being fired. We live in dangerous times. I was talking to somebody. He said, it is as if there is a demon that lives in the ministry of sports. That whoever goes there, it is either something will happen, then you'll be fired. If you will not take bribe, will frustrate you. It will amaze you that as a Christian, you have prayed and you go to the office and somebody is not doing the right thing and when you want to even straighten them, they come and tell your boss, but here, it is a challenge. It's a challenge in our times to live right because people who are even born again, when you need help from them, they want to sleep with you before they help you. It's a challenge. It's a challenge because the one that is saying he's an elder, a leader, somebody that is saying he's a deacon, a management team member, a board member, whoever the person is. Instead of the person saying, I am a born again believer and I can help you without expecting anything in return. Who say that before I help you, I have to see your nakedness. People don't even care anymore. Perilous times. These are the times we find ourselves in. 
Now let's follow the scripture. Will you move quickly with me? For my time is running out. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Men will love themselves. How many hours a lady will spend in the salon and how many hours the lady will spend praying. We groom our bodies as if we are preparing ourselves for the next life. Spend hours trimming your beard. You can't spend minutes reading your Bible. What a shame. Spend hours being in the salon. You can wait in a queue. Stay there for four hours to get your hair fixed, which will be removed in about two, three weeks, maximum one month if you have your dignity right. Because after one month, the sweat will not allow you to enjoy the sanity of humanity. Yet you spend four or five hours in the salon and yet when you come to church and it's for two hours and they see the time by 15 minutes, you have a problem. Lovers of themselves, covetous, whatever somebody has, they want it. Why not me? Why is she the one getting the promotion but not me? Covetous, boasters. Boasters. People who are boastful. They talk as if they own the world. Boasters. They are proud people. Do you know who I am? I am there. And I am there. I am there. I am the minister. I'm the CEO. I am the president. I am the vice president. I am the governor. Do you know? Proud and boastful. What do you have that you did not receive? Who are you that God did not allow you to become? For who is he that saith a thing and it cometh to pass if the Lord has not ordained it? Where do you think you can get to? Has it not been for the Lord who has been on your side? Then let Israel say, if it was not God who allowed it and made a way for you, do you think you would have gotten to where you are now? Bosses. Proud. Occupying a position and walking on the heads of people as if it wasn't people who would put you there. Meanwhile, your time there is limited. Because if you are a political figure and you are not humble and you are boastful and proud, people can decide that's it. If you're a minister, you serve at the pleasure of the president. You can wake up one day and say, I have reshuffled. Boasters, proud, blasphemous people who speak ill, desecrate the altars of God, treat holy things as though they are unholy things. They are blasphemous. People who can dignify their sins and their stupidity. 
They do things and they are evil. And they've sinned. And when somebody is to ask them, Oh, sir, blasphemer. Everybody does it. So it's normal. Normalization committee. You are formed, you are a part of the president's normalization committee. You are now normalizing sin. Boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents. This is a Pauline epistle to his protege called Timothy. And he's telling Timothy that Timothy, people who disobey their parents, they will be unthankful. Ungrateful people. No matter what you do for them, they will still be ungrateful. The roots of ingratitude will grip their souls. And wherever they go, they, no matter what you do for them, they will repay you with evil. Unthankful people. Ungrateful people. Unholy. They'll do their own stuff. They'll not live a consecrated, separated life. Please run with me. Without natural affection and without any equivocation, let me state this loud and clear, that any affection that is not natural is antithetical, is enmity to God. What I mean is that you cannot say that it's alright for a man to love a man and we should accept that as the people of God. It is not okay for the man to love a man, a man to marry a man. It is not okay for the woman to marry a woman and a woman to love a woman. It is not okay it is called unnatural I don't want to know what the world is turning into that there is an LGBTQ group that is okay and he was born like that and she was born like that God punished the devil you were not born to love a man as a man you are not born to sleep with a man as a man. You are not born to sleep with a woman as a woman. That is called without natural affection. That is evil in the sight of God. I, I was talking to somebody and said, but the guy is gifted. Why can't I use him? I said, Ogasa, if you want to use his gift... Help him and ask, tell him to get truly born again. Because the guy is gifted, but the guy is gay. And he's a praise and worship leader. And I am wondering if the Bible says that is an unnatural affection. How can you please this God and lead people to this God who says that without holiness nobody can see me and my eyes are too pure that it can behold evil. And somebody who is in a false state of identity. False state. Without natural affection. Truth breakers. There is a problem and you solve it and they go back and they, they inflame and inflate it again. Truth breakers. 
false accusers. People who can um, customize a suit and put it on you and it will hug your body as if you, they took measurement. False accusers. When they are telling a story, you clap for them. Give them a standing ovation. They can say things that will blow your mind. False accusers. Incontinent people, they are fierce. They are despisers of those that are good. When people do good, they speak ill of them. When somebody tries to help another person, they despise those that do good. You wouldn't do it. And when somebody is doing it, you have a problem with it. You won't sweep the church. The bad people who sweep it, you have a problem. You won't clean. Those who clean, you have a problem. You won't help the poor or the vulnerable or the needy in the society. And somebody is doing it, you have a problem. You won't give to support the work of God. When somebody is giving it, you have a problem. You almost have a manual for how people should even spend their money. You have a manual. You won't tithe. You won't give offerings. You won't give fast fruits. You won't do any of them. And when somebody is doing that, and Kofu, I won't tell more. They are despisers. They despise them. They are despisers of those that are good. Ooh. Verse number four. Traitors. Heady. High-minded. They, they, they have a very lofty evaluation of themselves. They put themselves on a pedestal that is immeasurable to humans. Lovers of pleasure instead of being lovers of God. It's amazing how many people love pleasure. They will pay anything for a vacation, but will give nothing to support missions. Lovers of pleasure, we fail to appreciate that our work is to rescue the lost at all cost. Can I preach to you, people of God? We are lovers of pleasure. How many times we plan? Oh, I'm planning a vacation. It's good to plan a vacation. You have seen a shoe you want. To stand in it. Oh, I know somebody who when he sees a dress, she says, I see myself in the dress. It's amazing how we see things. We are lovers of pleasure. More than lovers of God. So we don't love God enough. Oof. And this is where I start to preach to you from for the next 10 minutes I have. When it comes to holiness, this is what the Bible is saying. Most of us are in church. We look holy and pious. You look pure. You look saved. You look sanctified. Your tie looks good. 
is a form of godliness. You've come here. You are able to lift up your, your hands and sing, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You are able to come here and say, Worthy is the Lord God. You are able to say, Yeshirao Asafu Yehovah. You are able to sing all those songs of praise. It's a form of godliness. But that is not a sign of purity or holiness. The Bible says that they have a form. And so coming to church and praying is a form of godliness. Coming to church and singing is a form of godliness. Giving my offering is a form of godliness. Paying my tithe is a form of godliness. But the Bible says that most of the time, although we have a form of godliness, we deny the power. Let me preach to you from there. What scripture is saying is that sometimes we come to church and oftentimes, most of the time, you look good because the people don't see what is on the inside of you. It's a form of godliness. You look clean. You look pure. You look holy. You look chaste. Like the way I am dressed, I look fine. I look nice. I have a tie on because there, is, there are things that are covering me up. It's a form of godliness. But it will amaze you to know, people of God, that oftentimes the form of godliness does not necessarily mean you are godly. Because if I take off my you realize that the body is not like how it is supposed to be. I was putting on my tie, which is a form of godliness. My shoe looked good because you did not see it. People will not see what is on the outside, but God will judge you from the inside because what people don't see is what God is looking at. The gossip you perpetrate, the thing that you do, the evil you promote, the ungodly character you show. People are not going to judge you by what they don't see. As when I came and I was preaching my shoe that covered me up you could see my tie but it doesn't mean I was clean and put together because you were judging me by what you see but thank God the one who judge you sees beyond the suit he knows where you are torn he knows where you are broken he knows where you have gone wrong he knows everything therefore the Bible says they have a form of godliness but they deny the power so there is a form of godliness. But beneath the form is the tattered clothes and the filth and the gossip and the blasphemy and the evil and the backbiting and the undermining and the things you do against your brother and the things you do against your sister you are wearing a suit you have made up but in your heart what is in your heart you have a form of godliness what God will judge is not the form what God will judge is what people don't see. You can be. I stood on the platform. I preached for you for 30 minutes without you knowing that my clothes were torn. You can be in church for years without people knowing you are unholy. But does it mean that the clothes are not torn? There is a God who sees everything that you do. And so being in church for 40 years doesn't qualify you for heaven. It is the only, only the people who are spirit-filled, blood-washed, whose clothes are washed with the blood. It is not how long you have been here. 
For 30 minutes, the suit had covered it. For 30 years, your praise and worship is covering it. For 30 years, your preaching is covering it. For 30 years, your prophetic gift is covering it. But at a certain day, everything that is hidden in secret, God says, I will bring it to light. And what will your end be if Jesus is to appear in his glory? Do you think that this lifestyle is worthy of being called a life after God? And in the last days, people who show a form of godliness, but the power, and Tumanekata Adesu, is a form of godliness. I read it, and I said, this scripture simply means, and you must say, listen, people of God, no matter how long you think you have been in the kingdom, you can look good to people. But beneath that, what discovery will God make? If Jesus is to appear in his glory, what discovering? So in front of you, what people see is the fine dress. But when you turn, there is no way you go to a place that their people find peace. And yet you are a Christian. It's a shame. That you can eat and throw the rest into the garbage. And people are hungry. It's a shame. It's a shame that we are able to boast how much money we have in our accounts. And missions and missionaries are struggling to promote the gospel. It's a shame. We have a form, but we lack the power. Can I get you being upstanding for a minute? I'm, I think I'm done. I think I'm done. Could you please lift up your hands? Wherever you are, I just want you to pray to God. I don't know if you can resonate because for me, when I read that scripture and God gave me this revelation, I said to myself, woe unto me for I am undone. Because you can show the form of godliness, but the standards are high. You can't get it if Christ doesn't become your bridge. Without Christ, there is no holiness. You cannot. Because he worketh in you both to will and to do. And everything that you are chasing after is like chasing the winds. You can feel it, but you can't have it. Because you leave it and it will still be there. Build the houses, you can have it, but you can't keep it. Because you die and leave it behind. Whatever it is. I want you to go before God. I was told that if I start preaching these sermons... The people will not come to church. I thank God that some of you showed up. Because I am tired of preaching a gospel. And I don't want to be a preacher like that, man of God. To preach a gospel and prepare them to be successful on earth only. And fail 
when Jesus appears. It will be, it will be an error that we are able to help you to do well on earth, be relevant on earth, in, in the temple and in the heavenly realms. I want you to pray to God. I, you know where you need help. Can you go to God and say, God, I need help. I want somebody to make an SOS call. You have been struggling with an act. There is a weight that so easily besets you. There is a sinful nature you want to overcome. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed with Destiny Word by Dr. Michael Boydi Nyamiche. You are cordially invited to the Maker's House Chapel International, Kwabanya Off Point One. Join in on any of our services, Sunday Word, first service, 7 to 9 a.m., second service from 10 a.m. to 12 noon, teaching service on Wednesdays, 6.30 to 8 p.m., and our flagship program, The Morning Aura, on Saturdays from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. to engage in prayer and experience the supernatural. For more information about this ministry, call 0244-221-272 or 0262-731-570 or visit our website, www.themakershousechapel.org. We believe in the word in totality and the light it brings our path to experience the grace to take territories and fulfill destiny. God richly bless you.